The difference makers of tomorrow are being shaped in obscurity today. If you're in your 20s, what are the keys to setting a solid foundation as a follower of Christ? Now, if you're older like me and your 20s are long past, I encourage you to stick around for this conversation because those of us who are older have a huge part to play in helping the next generation center their lives on Jesus. Seth Brown is a friend and a great example of someone who has dedicated his life to following Jesus. I enjoyed this discussion with him on the principles and practices of committing to discipleship and disciple making in your 20s. Seth, welcome. Welcome onto the show. This is a conversation I have wanted to have for a while. You and I have known each other and you've been an encouragement to me in my faith, even though we haven't spent a lot of time in the same geographic area. We kind of come out of the same spiritual family uh, there in North Carolina, where you're currently at, and then also up in the Northwest in Washington. Those are places where my family has been. We know a lot of folks there. And uh, of course, we've seen each other off and on over the years. So thanks for coming on today. We're going to have a conversation about committing to Jesus in your 20s and specifically committing to a life of discipleship and learning to make disciples. So discipleship and disciple making. When I think about discipleship, the way I would describe it is living a life of devotion to Jesus. So that's that's what it is. We're talking about committing to living a life of devotion to Jesus in your 20s. And when I think about disciple making, it's passing on that way of life to others. So you're someone who I've watched and I've seen you make that commitment to Jesus over the years. So thanks for coming on. We're going to have a, a great conversation. And just by way of introduction, tell us a little bit about how old you are today, since we're talking about an age specific topic, and then uh, a little bit about what's going on in your life these days. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me on the podcast huge fan. And um, like you said, uh, a lot of our spiritual lineage has crossed and um, you yourself and people that you've invested in have been a huge impact in my life. So I'm very grateful for you and Cindy and just your labor in the harvest. Um, so yes, like Andrew said, Seth Brown, I am currently in North Carolina. I was actually born and raised in North Carolina. I'm 27. I'll be 28 next month. So I have two full years left. Uh, in my 20s of talking about this um, disciple making in your 20s. So hopefully I finish the 20s well and go into the 30s strong. Well, um, I would say you are off to a great start, brother. So um, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Keep going. No, you're good. Um, currently uh, in life. So I'm, uh, I recently got married uh, three weeks ago to my amazing wife, Holly. Uh, and we're still here at Fort Bragg um, for the next few weeks. And then we'll be going back to the Pacific Northwest to JBLM. I am currently doing ROTC at Pacific Lutheran University, and I'll be commissioning into the Army Reserves um, later this year. Yeah, so lots going on in your life. We were just talking about uh, what normal looks like for you right now. I think you guys are still trying to find it here over the next few weeks. But like I said before we started recording, thanks for squeezing in this conversation and, and being available to us today. 
You know, we've talked about this topic of following Jesus. We actually did a series a few years back on following Jesus in your 20s and then in your 30s and then into your 40s and beyond because some of the unique opportunities and challenges, it's a bit of a moving target. So the, the, the things you need to be focused on and aware of in your 20s are going to be a little bit different from your 30s and your 40s. But I do think that the 20s are critical because there a couple of reasons, right? One, one is that uh, this idea of compounding interest. So if you, mm-hmm. can, if you can start your life and your adult life um, following Jesus and laying a good foundation, that really is going to pay dividends um, into those following decades. And I've, I've seen that in my own life and um, it's worth doing. It's worth, it's worth following Jesus early. It, it's not that you can't come back in later decades and begin to follow him. But if you're in your early 20s or even your mid 20s and you're listening to this, one of the things that I I hope to persuade you of is that um, time is critical and, you know, committing your life to Jesus now makes a huge difference, not only now, but in in the decades to come. And um, I'd say a second reason is because most of us grow up and we've got limited control of our lives. Just we, we're born into certain families, we're born into certain geographic locations and socioeconomic status. But as you move into your adult years, you really get the chance to decide what matters the most to you. And part of that is faith. How big of a role is faith going to play in your life? And so setting that trend line early that Jesus is the most important thing and you're going to center your life on him. Um, is, is really important because if you don't do that, you're going to center it on something else. And then it's a matter of having to unwire that uh, later. But, you know, when you think about your 20s, like you said, you're still in them. What are some of the challenges that, that you've seen, Seth, either in your own life or with those that you've been discipling in recent years? Yeah, um, I think some of the challenges that I faced early on um, was and still face is prioritizing. Um, so, um, learning how to have a relationship with Jesus really means spending time with Jesus. And, um, so one of the ways that, uh, is the best to spend time with Jesus that I've found is by reading the Bible. Early on, that was hard for me. Um, waking up early already in the army culture, you're waking up early to do PT and, or to go to work. And so, um, sacrificing an extra 30 minutes, to spend time with Jesus. I think that was a hard, uh, hard thing for me to learn early on, but I'm so thankful that, um, the men that were investing in my life were patient with me and, uh, and, and continued to encourage me to spend time with Jesus in the word. And so I think, um, just realizing where your priorities are at, uh, the people that you spend your time with. Um, so again, um, in the army, you can choose, uh, and just like anywhere else, you can choose to spend your time with good influences or bad influences. Um, the running joke is like you can be at the barracks party uh, or you can be at Bible study. And so I think early on, I think the Lord just really blessed me. It wasn't because of my wisdom or my smartness, but it was really the Lord saved me um, that my second week at my first duty station, uh, Zach Abrams and Hayden Meredith invited me to a Bible study and really connected me with um, a community of believers. 
that were really concerned about um, my salvation and about my life and my relationship with Jesus. And so that um, became the group of men, the community, uh, the group of people that I spent my time with. And so I think that was a big um, that was a big challenge um, that the Lord really delivered me into was being able to be around the people um, that cared about mm. my relationship with Jesus. Yeah, that's that's really good. I think the Lord will give us opportunities to respond. And so in in your situation, you had people that came into your life who were offering you an opportunity to become more centered on Jesus and uh, to respond to this invitation to to make him the priority. And you took advantage of that. Um, I think in my my own life, I had a, a similar, of course, different people and, and a different scenario. But in my my last year of college is is when I began to follow Jesus. And I'd grown up with Christian parents and I'd grown up in a part of the country that's often called the Bible Belt. So I had basic the basic facts about Jesus in my head. Um, what what didn't really register and what had not happened yet is that I, I didn't have a personal I had never personally responded to him, and, and especially as an adult. And so my life looked pretty much like anybody else's who may not have thought of themselves as, as a Christian. But in my uh, last year of school, I, I had some things happen in my personal life that, that were pretty stressful. <laughs> so I won't go into detail on those because I, I've shared it in uh, past uh, episodes, but um, it really brought me to a place of prayer because I, I had not really prayed uh, as an adult uh, and really asked for God's help. But I began to pray and ask for God's help. And I, I told him if he would help me, then I would try to learn more about him and be be more serious because I guess instinctively I knew that he was pretty low on my list of priorities. If he even made the list, mm -hmm. Seth, going back to um, your first point there about making Jesus the priority. And you know God did come through, he did answer those prayers and then immediately brought someone into my life that invited me to read the Bible. Um, this person invited me to read the Bible. And so um, I believe Jesus does give us those opportunities and it's, it's important for us to, to, to recognize those opportunities in our 20s and, and respond to them. Yeah, yeah, Mine, my experience was much like yours, Andrew, of like growing up in the Bible Belt, I had great parents and grandparents that um, brought me to church and uh, helped me understand the basics about Jesus, but I did not have a personal relationship with Jesus. I was uh, just doing what the culture around me did, and it wasn't until um, I was faced with being out of my comfort zone uh, in a new job with new people surrounded all around me mm. that I sort of went to God as a last-ditch effort of like, Lord, um, please help me figure this out. And like you said, He sent people into my life um, that really answered that prayer and that taught me how to have a true relationship with him. Well, this is something I, I hope that folks who are not in their 20s will pick up on is if you're not in your 20s, hopefully you're still listening, because if you're further along in life and you're following Jesus, it's important to remember back to where you were and what was helpful for you in your your earlier years. And I do think that it's a common theme in scripture and just in the way God works is that he uses older believers to help and to call these these younger people into a life of, of following Jesus and into, into a life of devotion uh, and centering their life on Jesus. So um, if you are older, 30s, 40s, 50s, even beyond, um, 
be thinking about the people who are in their late teens, early 20s, mid 20s, and what what role the Lord might want you to play in helping challenge them and, and to calling them to this life of devotion. But I did want to ask you, Seth, what were some of the qualities in those people? Like you've already mentioned several uh, guys like Zach Abrams. Um, we talked a little beforehand, you know, guys like Hayden, um, Brian Trainer, Mike and Liz Chong. I know that, that there have been some, some great folks who have contributed to you, but what was it about those folks? You know, were there certain character qualities or certain things that they did that helped you respond? Yeah. Um, I think one of the first things that pops out was my first time going to Bible study uh, at JBLM as a navigator's Bible study. And we split off into our small groups. And one of the first things that they did was go around and um, share the memory verse that they were working on that week. And I just thought that that was really powerful. Like um, these young men and women are committing to memorizing God's word and hiding it in their heart. And the only thing, only verse that I had was uh, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. So that was my verse for that week. And um, I think that was really powerful seeing these people that were um, much further along in their military career, um, that were successful in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of the military, that they were taking their relationship mm. with Jesus serious. And so... Mm. I think uh, that was really impactful for me to see that and to um, want to emulate that and find out like, well, if they need Jesus, then Mm -hmm. I probably need Jesus too. Um, And so I'm going to stick around and find out what these guys are about. That's that's so interesting. I think the Navigators in particular as an organization, they're often known for scripture memory. And, you know, Cindy and I were part of the Navigator ministry for, we were on staff with the Navigators for about 15 years. And, you know, we would say that, that that's not actually at the core, at the center of what, of what we're trying to do. Um, really at, at the core, it's to help the next generation follow Jesus. So spiritual generations, I would say, is really at the heart of Navigator ministry. But what's visible to people, what kind of stands out in the early days of knowing someone who is a Navigator, it has historically been scripture memory. And I think what what I take from that is, you know, I once thought, thought we're going to talk a little bit later about resources. And I know you've already mentioned um, this book by Robert Coleman, we won't go any further, but one of the principles that he highlights is the need to demonstrate or to model the faith for older believers to model a life of devotion to younger believers. And we see this with um, all aspects of life. Parenting is is an obvious one that, you know, your children will follow your example much more than your words. And um, mm-hmm. another way to say that is more is caught than taught. And so when you think about modeling, it's two things are, are needed. First is, as the older believer, you have to be living this life of devotion. So you can't pass on something you, d- you don't have. So if, you're, if you are further on in life and in your walk with Jesus, are you living this life of devotion that you would want to call someone in their 20s to? But second, and just as important, I think, is that there has to be enough overlap in your life that the younger generation can see that. So modeling is both those things together. It's, it's you have certain actions and certain values that express your devotion to Jesus, but 
you're also close enough, you're sharing enough life with this younger believer that they can see it. You, you don't have, of course, you're going to teach things too, but they have to be able to see this, this life of devotion in action. And even like little simple things like a, a scripture memory verse, you know, that that's going to be something that stands out. And in your case, um, you responded to it. Yeah. And like you said, Andrew, of like, um, showing that life of devotion. And like you said, spiritual generations, that's one of the key things. Um, I don't think it's just a navigator thing. It's a Jesus thing. Um, right. And I think that um, something that is something that I feel like Mike and Liz Chong really displayed for me very well. And uh, all throughout our relationship, continuing to do it. But early on, um, when Mike and I were meeting, he was investing in me. And he was encouraging me to pray for a man that I could pour into and that I could invest into. And um, I feel like the Lord just answered that. I, I would not say that I discipled him, but I definitely helped. We were helping each other follow Jesus closer. Uh, a guy named Caleb Fassler um, started coming out to Bible study and we quickly became close, mm. close, probably one of my best friends and uh, just trying to figure out how to follow Jesus better and how to help our coworkers and other people in the ministry follow Jesus better. That's so important. I, I often try to communicate that the Lord brings us into his family, but he also brings us into the family business. And I, I do think that that's something we should be involved in from the very beginning. So Jesus, you know, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. But if you read John's gospel, you see that right from the start, those disciples were going out finding their friends, uh, finding people that they already knew who they wanted to introduce to Jesus. And I think that should be true for us as well, that from the very outset, there's a contribution that we can make to this work that Jesus is doing in the world. And, uh, you know, Paul in Second Corinthians tells us that this work is, is the ministry of reconciliation, helping people come back into a relationship with God is the work or the family business that God has invited us to be, to, to work alongside him in. God is doing it through his son, Jesus, and he's inviting us to, to join him in that work. And it may be that uh, the only thing you can do in the early days is just to invite someone else to come and learn with you. But that's, that's important. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's very valuable. That was one of the first things that stood out to me when I first met Cecil and Jeannie being the, the couple that ended up discipling Cindy and I, is that they brought us into the community of believers that, that they were leading. And I began to see people my age who were in their early 20s who were helping other people come to know Jesus and follow him. And I had this idea that I was going to have to follow Jesus um, closely for maybe 10 years before I could start doing that, before I could start helping someone else. And uh, no, discipleship and disciple making, they, they really go hand in hand. And, um, you know, you can begin helping people right away. And, and that's part of what it means to be devoted to Jesus. What about uh, passages of scripture? Have there, been, have there been some passages that stand out to you from the Bible that have encouraged or inspired you to, to be devoted in your 20s? Yeah, I think uh, the first one that comes to mind is 1 Timothy 4.12, um, where Paul is talking to Timothy and he says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set the example for the believers in speech and life and love and faith and impurity. And so I think that really hits well to any young person of um, you may not know 
a ton early on, but be faithful to what you know and set the example by what you know. And I think um, throughout our entire life, that's what God is calling us to do. No more, no less. Just be faithful to what you know and be obedient to it. Yeah. So you just quoted that. Did you quote it again? Because there's actually five areas of devotion that that Paul encourages Timothy to set the example in. Yeah, in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Right. So, I mean, if you're if you're doing that, I mean, a big part of of being a light for Christ in life in general, but certainly in your twenties, is just being willing to to model and to to set the example of someone who is devoted to Jesus in those those different areas, your conduct, your speech, your faith, your love, a life of purity. I mean, if you're living devoted to Jesus in those five areas, your life is gonna look different than most of the people around you in your 20s. When I was thinking about this particular um, question of, of verses that really inspired me early on, it was actually from the same chapter, but a few verses later, verses 15 and 16. But it's the same conversation that Paul was having with Timothy, a younger man, right after he told him to, to, to set the example as a young man. Um, he goes on in verse 15 to say, take pains with these things, be absorbed in them, the, this life of devotion. Take pains, be absorbed, mm -hmm. so that your progress may be evident to all. And then he says, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you, which is one of the, one of the amazing promises of scripture, that if I will take pains with this life of following Jesus and allow myself to be absorbed in it. So it goes back to your idea of having it as a priority, that anyone who knows me for a short amount of time is going to know that faith and following Jesus is very important to me um, as a 20-year-old because I'm allowing myself to be absorbed by this life of, of devotion. But then he goes on to say, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. And again, that really kind of points to this idea of discipleship and disciple making. What are the things that I'm going to pay close attention to? Well, to myself, what, am I living this life of devotion? And then to my teaching, am I learning how to help others? And, and I think it's important in your 20s to be actively studying Jesus both for his character, but also for his lifestyle and the mission that he gave his life to, because that's what he wants us to give our lives to, but also actively studying the, the people who are further along than us in the faith, who are good examples. So Seth, I'm gonna put you on the spot. <laughs> I, um, yeah. Do you know Hebrews, Hebrews 13, seven? Is that one of your memory verses by chance? I know the, so uh, let's see. Um, Remember your leaders. Uh, remember your leaders who first spoke the word to you and uh, imitate their faith and consider the outcome of their life. See, you're never going to come on the podcast again. You're going to be like, this guy put me on the spot. <laughs> I mean, I memorized it in the New American, but that's that's you. You got all the main ingredients there. Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you and considering the outcome of their way of life, imitate their faith. So if you're in your 20s, you want to be thinking about who, who are the people who are further along than you? Who are your spiritual leaders? And specifically, those leaders should be the ones who are speaking the word of God to you. So it shouldn't just be an older person who's following Jesus, but an older person who's actively, 
seeking to share with you. And then you want to consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So being a student in your 20s and having that, having that posture of wanting to learn, to learn from Jesus, to study Jesus, to follow in his footsteps, to learn from the older believers that God has put into your life, to study, to study how did, how did their way of life lead to the outcome that you're seeing. So I was uh, 20 when I met Cecil. Cecil was actually 50, and, and it really crosses my mind often these days that I'm now at the age that Cecil was when he met me 30 years ago. And that's a real challenge, you know, because I know how, how inspired I was by Cecil's life of devotion. I didn't know very many people in their 50s who, who were chasing after Jesus the way Cecil was. And I'd like to be that for this next generation. I, I would like to, to be someone that that younger generation could look to. And as they consider the outcome of my way of life, that they would, they would find imitating my faith worthwhile. So again, if you're in your 20s, please take, take lessons from this. But also if you're older, you know, there's lessons for us about helping people in their 20s. Well, any other passages or scriptures that, that stand out to you, Seth? Yeah, one thing um, that's also an encouragement, all of John 15 um, is a huge encouragement to me. But some of the things that stand out, um, verse 5, Jesus talks about um, remaining in him, and then we will bear much fruit. Without him, we can do nothing. Verse 8, he says, um, by bearing fruit, this is how you prove to be your disciples. But I think prove for us to be his disciples to the Father but verse 11, I think, is what really catches um, catches my attention sometimes now is, uh, I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Um, Jesus is instructing his disciples and, and for us as well of like bearing fruit, investing in the next generation is how our joy is complete. Uh, it's supposed to be fun. We're supposed to enjoy laboring in the harvest. And so, uh, and I have seen that in my life. Um, it is hard work. It is labor, mm. but there's nothing else that I would rather give my life to. Man, I'm really glad. I'm really glad you shared that. I do think that's one of the lies or the challenges you could say that we face in our twenties is this, this, this fear of missing out that, well, if I, if my, if I give my life to Jesus and I center, if I center my life on him, I'm going to miss out on the fun times. And I, I really want to have some fun times mm -hmm. first. And then I'll get serious about faith and Jesus at a later point, not realizing that, first of all, it rarely works out that way. <laughs> you know, when you live, when you live with those priorities in your early twenties, again, you're, this idea of sowing and, and Paul talks about it in Galatians that we should not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he will also reap. So when you're, when you're living that way in your early twenties, when you're living out of step with God, it's not like those are just neutral years, you know, things are happening seeds are being planted that will bear fruit in later years. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one, one misconception that we have. But the second one is that Jesus said that he came that we might have life and might have it abundantly. And this life of following him, it really is an adventure. And as someone who gave my life to Christ and, and really gave my 20s to pursuing him and building my life around him, I can attest to that, that um, it was always a good time. <laughs> like you said, there's challenges, there's, there's, there's downturns in life, but um, I don't feel like I missed out on anything in terms of enjoying mm -hmm. life 
and uh, living this adventure of, of following Jesus. Yeah, nothing else I'd rather give my life to. Well, why don't we, um, why don't we talk about some practical things? You already mentioned um, one of them earlier with spending time getting to know God through scripture and through prayer. What, uh, what practical things have, have helped you in your 20s put Jesus at the center and really commit to following him? Yeah. Um, before we uh, started talking together, I talked that we mentioned like key people in our lives that really uh, poured into us and helped us walk closer with each other. So I got to chat with Mike Chong uh, last week and uh, he knew I told him that we were coming on together and we were recording this. So I got to uh, do a little brainstorming with him and just process uh, the last nine years of our friendship a little bit. I met Mike and Liz in 2014 at JBLM. And uh, I think one of the things early on that was shown to me and was uh, and that really helped me start following Jesus was the wheel illustration. So Christ, the center, and then the word, prayer, evangelism and fellowship. And that's all held together by obedience. And one of the things that Mike and I got to talking about um, while we were having that discussion is uh, I feel like my 20s have really been spent on learning how to spin the wheel and not trying to reinvent the wheel. So like get good at those basics, learn how to spin the wheel and don't try to do, don't spend your energy or your time trying to do other crazy things. Um, but really get good at those basics. Yeah, that's great, man. Maybe we could put a link into uh, the show notes of that illustration if folks aren't familiar with it, but it's a great visual and I just saw a quote this morning about the basics. Uh, they, they, it was uh, talking about fitness, but the point was that the basics are always the basics. So the basics don't change and the basics are mm -hmm. always worthwhile. And so mm -hmm. if you skip the basics or if you try to move on from the basics, then you actually, you actually miss out on something very important and it, it's really hard, whether that's physical fitness or, or this life of uh, faith that Jesus is calling us to. So that's um, that's that's a that's a great practical suggestion there, Seth. I know you also talked about the importance of life on life and and how that's looked in for you personally. And I, I think you've got a pretty unique uh, perspective on that. So maybe share a little bit about what life on life is and how it's marked your your life in your twenties. Yeah, I think um, in my own personal definition, I would say like. You're really sharing life with someone when you get um, four to five interactions with them per week. Um, that it, And other people may have different numbers that they measure that off of. But um, at, to this point in my life, that's what I've considered four to five interactions a week um, is being able to share life on life. And I feel like the Lord has really um, blessed me so much in that with, like I mentioned, Mike and Liz Chong. I was able to move into their house in 2015. So they moved in myself and Brian Trainer, And so this, uh, this family of six at that time um, invited two, you know, uh, young active duty guys to live in their house for the purpose of discipleship training. And that was um, something new to me, uh, relatively new to me of um, living with some adults that are not your family members uh, for the purpose of ministry training. But man, has it changed my life. Um, and I say that because uh, one of the things that Mike shared with me early on is um, 
he said, you're going to see my Liz and I's entire life. Um, you're going to see the highs and the lows. And uh, hopefully what you'll see from that is that um, we are imperfect people, but we are committed to following Jesus. And we want every aspect of our life to display mm-hmm. that. And so we want you guys to live with us so that, one, we can get more time with you um, so we can help help you follow Jesus closer, answer any questions that you may have. But two, just for you to see a model of what it looks like of people um flawless or flawed people that are trying to follow Jesus. Um, And so I have been super blessed by the Chong family with that. I lived with them um, from 2015 to 2017, went on a deployment, came back and lived with them from 17 to 18, and then went to Korea and then Fort Bragg. And then I actually moved back um, to the Washington to the DuPont area and moved in with Mike and Liz again and lived with them from 2020 to 2023. So uh, we, Mike and I joked a few last month before I got married of the majority of my adult life has been spent in their house. And uh, I think the hmm. Lord has just used that in huge ways of helping me become more like him and having a great example to follow. Seth, you've probably heard this, this uh, quote before, but I heard it from Howard Hendricks. I don't know if he actually came up with it or if he was passing it on, but it went like this, that you can only impress people from a distance, but you can only impact people up close and personal. And I think there's so much truth for us to take from that when it comes to making disciples and and uh, our work of passing on the faith. That when whenever you're impressed by someone, it's typically because you don't really know them. You're, you're seeing them from a distance mm-hmm. and you're seeing the, the it's kind of like social media um, where you're seeing a curated version. You're seeing what they want you to see. And this can be something that that pastors and spiritual leaders really struggle with, because if if the folks who are learning from us are only seeing those parts of our lives that we would really want them to see, then maybe we're going to be impressive to them. Maybe maybe they'll actually have a good view of us and and they'll look up to us. But that's not really the goal of, of passing on the faith. <laughs> the goal of passing on the faith is to impact those people so that they're following Jesus. And oftentimes in, in order to do that, or what helps people do that is they do see those flaws, they do see those mistakes, um, but we have to be willing to open up our life enough as both older believers and young believers to, to, to share enough life with one another with the purpose of helping one another grow in the faith, that if we're willing to do that, then I I think we're in the best position to pass on the faith the way that God designed it to be passed on. I know you had shared a little bit of a story before we started recording about um, a test that the Lord gave you in this respect with your career. So do you want to share that with uh, our listeners? Yeah. um, So, um, I was active duty in the army. Um, I was a medic and in 2018, um, I uh, had the opportunity to, um, to go to Vincenza, Italy, which is a highly desired, um, duty location in the army, um, or for any service, um, going to Italy is pretty great. Um, so I had the opportunity to either go to Italy or, um, the orders that I was already 
put on was to go to Fort Riley, Kansas. And so the boss that I was working for at the time, um, he was going to try, he was going to get me to Italy if I wanted to go or I could stay going to, um, going to Fort Riley, Kansas. And I think I spent a couple weeks, um, really just wrestling with the Lord for him to tell me that it was okay to go to Italy. And, um, I was, sort of shopping around for advice and trying to find someone to tell me that it was okay for me to go to Italy. <laughs> and I think my struggle there was because I I didn't know anyone specifically that was making disciples and laboring for Jesus in Italy or at, at Vincenzo. But I did know a couple at Fort Riley, Kansas, James and Monica Carter, who um, were actively engaging with soldiers and trying to help them follow Jesus and had been following Jesus for many years. Um, I mentioned Mike and Liz Chong before. The Carters and the Chongs were very, are still very close friends. And so that's how I knew James and Monica. And so um, I was seeking the Lord and his answer in this. And um, in my quiet time, I was going through the book of Haggai and uh, Haggai 1, 4, and 5 says, Is this a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says, give, give careful thought to your ways. And so I took that whenever I was reading that, I felt like that was the Lord saying, Is this a time when you're in your early 20s, um, you're not married, you don't have kids, you don't have many responsibilities or many people looking to you to provide, you have a lot of flexibility. Is this a time for you to use this focusing on your military career, or is this a time for you to um, focus on your relationship with me and continue to strengthen it in that? And so that's how I um, viewed that passage and how the Lord spoke to me through it. So I chose to go to Fort Riley, um, and that was crazy to my boss and to all the coworkers <laughs> that I was working with. And I felt like the Lord really used that as well. My decision in just choosing to make that choice to talk with my coworkers and tell them why I chose um, mm. that. And it felt like the Lord uh, in hindsight, looking back that the Lord was seeing if I would just hold my career uh, with an open hand because um, a month later I got an email say from HRC, the, um, Human Resources Command in the Army that said your uh, your orders to Fort Riley have been deleted, and I got an email the next day saying you have been placed on assignment to Korea. Hmm. So I'm not sure if I would have gone to Italy either way, but I felt like it was the Lord um, testing to see if I would hold my career with an open hand. Man, it's such a great story, and and pieces that stand out to me is one you were seeking counsel, uh, two you were self aware enough to know that. You had a preference, and I don't think that's wrong. Like all of us, as we go through life, we've got, oftentimes we'll have our personal desires. You know, Jesus had a personal desire in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, you know, Father, if it may be, let this cup pass. That was his his desire, but ultimately it came back to, nevertheless, not as I will, but, but your will be done. And then um, a second piece there is that you were in the scriptures. And when we're in the scriptures regularly, we put ourselves in a position to be influenced by the spirit in ways that we would not otherwise. And I, I truly believe God is capable of guiding us um, outside of the scriptures. But by the same token, I do believe the scriptures are one of, if not the main avenue that, that God has made available to us to, to guide us as we go through life. So being in the scriptures and then responding to 
that prompting that you felt to to hold your career with an open hand is is definitely encouraging and and motivating. Well, why don't we wrap up with some some resources? What are some things that you've come across in the past decade that have really helped you? Some some practical tools or resources. You already mentioned the wheel. Anything else that you would encourage people in their twenties to to check out? Yeah, I think um, this book, next to the Bible, this book has had the largest impact on my spiritual walk with Jesus, and I probably read it um, maybe not every year, but every other year, and that's uh, Robert Coleman's The Master Plan of Evangelism, and there's eight different topics that he walks through in that book of um, Jesus as the master, what was his plan to reach the entire world, and how we are a part of that plan, so if you haven't read that, I encourage you to check it out. Um, another resource is Discipleship Library. Um, there are hundreds of audio messages on there um, that are really practical of how to follow Jesus, and you can look for it from um, a topical standpoint or from uh, a book of the Bible standpoint, and then the Into the Harvest podcast. Um, I think Andrew has really blessed me and many others um, with just his uh in-depth study of the Bible and sharing that with other people and then the people that he brings on to the podcast. So really thankful for you, Andrew. Yeah. Well, thanks brother. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate that. And that's definitely high company. I've also been strongly influenced by Robert Coleman's book, the master plan of evangelism. I think that's such a valuable resource because it's really just an extended Bible study of Jesus's life. So, I mean, yes, it's not the Bible, but when you read that book, there's so many references to scripture and it's just a deep dive into what was the master's plan, like you said. So that's a great resource. We actually have a, um, a, a parallel Bible study resource uh, at the website at Into the Harvest that I will provide a link to in the show notes to this episode. If folks want to not only read that book, but also have uh, a study that helps them get the most out of it. That's a free resource that we have that folks can use for themselves, or if they've got a small group that they want to expose to that book, that's a great way to do it. And then discipleshiplibrary.org, I think, .org. I think that's, yeah. So that is just a treasure trove of uh, audio specifically on discipleship and disciple making. And in line with that, we've got, it's got so many messages that you can almost get overwhelmed. So I would say uh, we've got another resource on the website into the harvest.org called the disciple making the disciple makers Leatherman. But part of that are seven audios that I think are great. If, if you, if you want to start with seven audio messages on discipleship that can really help you get get focus, then I think that's a great place to start. And um, I'll provide a link there too. Those are all free resources except the book, Master Plan of Evangelism, which is, I don't know, 10 bucks, $10 worth spending. So I would uh, definitely encourage you to check that out. Well, any final thoughts from you, Seth? Again, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, any last things that pop into your mind on this topic that you want to share? Yeah, I think um, one thing that just came to mind, we were talking about uh, Paul and Galatians talking about reaping what you sow. And um, another passage of sowing that I, from Paul that I think stands out for me in this topic is 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7, 
where Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes it grow. And I think that is something that um, the Lord has showed me and is continuing to show me is um, stay in your lane. You're responsible for the sowing or the watering. I'm responsible for the growth. And so I think um, especially in some discipleship communities or uh, if you're hard on yourself like I can be sometimes, I think I put that responsibility on myself of why is this guy not growing or why is he not getting it fast enough Hmm. um, when really – Probably he's doing great. If I had some hindsight and look back on my own life, people were probably frustrated with me as well. So um, I think just reminding ourselves that we're responsible for sowing and watering and God's the one that's responsible for the growth. Man, that's a great word. Um, Yes, similar, similar to that. I would just say that if you're in your 20s, oftentimes it doesn't feel like you yourself are growing or it's hard to see how all of these sacrifices and commitments and priorities that you're setting to build your life on Jesus, um, sometimes it doesn't seem like there is a return on that in your 20s. And I would just encourage you to keep sowing, keep following Jesus, that the principle of reaping what you sow, there is a time gap in that. And um, you, you will be so grateful as you move into your 30s and 40s that you laid that foundation of devotion to Jesus in your 20s if you choose to go that route. So, well, Seth, thanks again for coming on. Would love to have you on in the future. Really appreciate you sharing from your wisdom. Yeah, thanks for the time, Andrew. And again, thank you and Cindy just for your impact in the harvest to all of us. 